0: G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is the final in our What Happened Next series in the book of Acts. And today we're going back to where everything really starts in Acts in chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, with the account of Pentecost. We hope you enjoy the sermon. On the 8th of February this year, Zach Meerkrabs left the chapel of Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, feeling dejected. He felt like he had whiffed his sermon for the 50 students gathered in the enormous church for a compulsory service. He sent a text message to his wife. Another stinker. I'll be home soon. What happened next surprised the world. After the service, 18 students stayed behind, just praying and confessing their sins to one another. The group didn't dissipate. Instead, they kept praying and singing. Slowly it grew, and people carried on praying throughout the night. The chapel filled day after day, night after night, as revival swept the college, and for the next 16 days straight, Thousands of people passed through the doors of the Asbury University Chapel. Similar rolling services spilled onto other campuses as tens of thousands flocked to Wilmore to sing, pray and soak in the presence of God. The Asbury Revival touched millions of lives. Today we celebrate another work of the Holy Spirit, the person responsible for every genuine spiritual revival. In our What Happened Next series, we've been looking at what happened after Easter, what happened after Jesus' resurrection. In Acts 1, we read how 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he had a meal with his mates and told them to wait in Jerusalem, saying, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then he went back up to heaven. The disciples returned to Jerusalem and prayed daily for the Holy Spirit to come. Fortunately, they didn't have to wait long. Ten days later, as Jewish believers from all over the world filled Jerusalem for a harvest festival called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came with power. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I preached on Pentecost verse by verse last year, but this year I was taken back, I was taken by how this account of Pentecost brings together three elements that mark any movement led by the Holy Spirit. These three were all clear parts of the Asbury revival, and they're right here in Acts 2 as well. So today we're going to look at how for any church to thrive, it must bring together three strands, word, sacrament and spirit. Like arteries of a heart, all three must flow free and strong through a church for it to function as the body of Christ. The first is the word. As the Holy Spirit descends with tongues of fire and empowers the disciples to speak relatable words in the heart languages of the international crowd, Peter gets up to preach. He ties what's happening back to the Word of God, saying, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. He ties what's happening back to the Word of God. Without the Word of God, our faith becomes shallow, and we keep looking for the next amazing thing. We leave our brains at the door and get so caught up in signs and wonders that we forget the miracle of all God has already said to us. Friends, this is why the early church was a church that prioritised the Word of God. The apostles prioritised the preaching and teaching of the Word. As Christians, we know we need to constantly draw on the scriptures, asking the Holy Spirit to help us know what he wants us how he wants us to live and what he wants us to be. I say he because at Pentecost, we remember that the Holy Spirit is a person, someone we can have a relationship with. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in the hearts of all who invite him in and empowers us to understand and apply the word of God to our lives. Any healthy and fruitful church community will be one founded and grounded in the word of God. The next thing we need to be is immersed in the sacraments. The word sacrament describes the outward signs of God's inward transformation. In a way, all the outward signs of Pentecost point to a deeper spiritual shift. In Hebrew, the word for Holy Spirit and wind, ruach, are the same. So the violent wind signifies the Holy Spirit. The tongues of flame also have a deeper meaning. In Exodus 3, Moses encounters God in the burning bush. The bush looks like it's it's on fire, but it isn't consumed. In the same way as the presence of God fills the disciples, they look like they're on fire, but they aren't burnt. Even the tongues they speak have an underlining meaning. At Babel, God mixes up the languages of the people after they attempt to make a name for themselves and proudly build a tower to break into heaven. Here the Holy Spirit humbly comes down and unites the speech of the people, showing the global scope of God's salvation plan. As these sacred signs draw people in, Peter preaches and unlocks the meaning of these wonders. He tells the crowds that even though they killed the author of life, Jesus rose from the dead to forgive sins and opened the gates of heaven to sinners like us. The people rightly are cut to the heart and say, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter responds, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In our church, we have lots of sacred things, but two sacraments baptism and Holy Communion. In response to Peter's sermon, the first Christian baptisms take place. Three thousand plus people are baptized into the church that day, and as Luke describes the life of the community, we see how central the word and the sacraments are in their lives. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 2.42 Friends, a reverence for sacred things is vital for a healthy church. This is why we share communion most Sundays. This is why baptism is such a significant part of the life of our church. To be the church, we must continue to break breads together and immerse ourselves in the sacraments. And this brings us to the third essential strand of our life together as a church family. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. Most weeks through our Acts series, I've I've pointed out how this book is best seen as acts not of people, but acts of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is referred to 69 times in Acts. He drives the whole story because it's the Holy Spirit who takes a hot-headed coward like Peter and turns him into a bold preacher at Pentecost. It's the Spirit who empowers women and men from all classes and backgrounds to care for the poor, heal the sick, and take the gospel out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's the Spirit who humbles a bloodthirsty bully like Saul to become Paul. The main evangelist and pastor in the New Testament. Mike Bird writes, "Without the Spirit, we will be left with the scraps of man-made religion, and struggle to be faithful by our own meager strength." Friends, on a day like today, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you have a personal relationship with God and invite the Holy Spirit to guide your life. Pentecost is a one was a one-off miraculous event like the resurrection of Jesus. But the same Holy Spirit who came in power so wonderful at Pentecost is living and working in our church today. The Holy Spirit unlocks the scriptures for us. He gives us sacraments to show the world what's happening inside our hearts. And he empowers the church to be the life-altering, community-building, world-changing movement that God wants us to be. We need to stop underestimating the Holy Spirit and ask Him to guide us every day to be the people God created us to be. To close, let's remember the Holy Spirit didn't stop working at Pentecost and He doesn't just work through revivals like at Asbury. He's working here within us today. A profound example of this comes from a letter written by 12-year-old Hajira Farsi who wrote to Bishop Cam a couple of weeks ago before her confirmation. She's given me permission to share it with you. Hajiru writes, Good morning slash evening Bishop Cam. I hope you are having a great day. As my confirmation service is coming up, this letter that I am now writing is for me to not only show you, but to show God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit why I would like to be confirmed and why being confirmed would be a life-changing experience for me. Firstly, I believe in God and Jesus because he has made a big impact on my family that no one else could ever do. He has saved me from my struggles and healed me through my challenges. I believe without God and Jesus, I would not be here writing this letter explaining why I would like to be confirmed. The Lord has opened many different doors for my family and we are extremely thankful for everything he has done. I follow Jesus because he died on the cross for me. He suffered and endured pain all for me. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and without him I would be lost. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is an unexplainable blessing, and that is a blessing I would like to be filled with. Lastly, confirmation means being committed to God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever. Always loving the Lord no matter what and never doubting him. I want to be confirmed to love and serve the Lord forever. Friends, let's get excited about being the church. Let's be a church like that in Acts, grounded in the word of God, immersed in the sacraments, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.